Welcome to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman, and I hope everyone has had a fantastic, like, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks since we last spoke. But that's okay, because things happen, fatherhood, and uh, things kind of get pushed off. But we are back, and I say we, because I am joined by the entire crew. Michael and Brian are here. Say hello, guys. Howdy. Boy, howdy. This is going to be a doozy today. Yep, this will be fun. When that's all that they could say, you know it's going to be interesting. Um, So, as always, we're going to start with the local segment. It is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Why not do it, especially since the Reds are, you know... The season started today, and or at least while we're recording this, probably not when you hear it, and might as well get $20 saved. So, first team that I have to talk about with both of you is obviously Kentucky. And they were able to get through the first two games in the tournament. Um, who was the first team we played against? I am sorry. Abilene. Abilene Christian, yeah. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, just so you know, the only the only knowledge, the only knowledge that I had of Abilene Christian uh, was that in in the old NCAA football games, they were always the very first team on the team select because they were alphabetically <laughs> number bad. one. It was them That's and then fantastic. Alcorn State. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. we we took care of business one seventy nine to forty four over them, and then we beat uh, Warford sixty two to fifty six. Michael, let's start with you because you are the UK insider. What was your takeaway from those two games uh, in the tournament? Okay, well, we'll take the first one, and from there, everything went really the way it was supposed to. Um, if I were to take one big negative away from that game, uh, we only shot 28% from the three. Um, but other than that, I mean, we dominated them from the beginning of the game. It was never close. It was never in doubt. So that's how that one was supposed to go. Now, the Wolford game, that was definitely closer than what I would have liked, but I think that's a good shooting team, and I think we played excellent defense um, to really stop, especially their uh, leading scorer. And um, once again, though, a a concerning trend in this tournament, we only shot 23% from the three. Um, We got to fix that. Uh, Biggest surprise of the tournament so far for Kentucky is Jamal Baker stepping up. Mm -hmm. He had back-to-back career highs. I will say that I, I, if I recall correctly, Michael, you called Jamal Baker being a, a, a like, he, you called him stepping up. Like, you said he was going to be a key aspect. I remember you saying that on a past episode. That's great, because I don't. So, I'm <laughs> such a genius, I don't even remember all my takes. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I remember specifically, because it was when we were having the discussion of, of a of a of a like how a you know a ten man roster versus like a seven or eight man lineup, yeah. You, the, it it stemmed from talking about how good Jamal Jamal Baker could be, and now he's stepping up, and it's been great. Yeah, and I mean he's um, scoring now, and his defense is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's a that's a huge thing to have depth on defense, yeah. especially because Ashton Higgins can't do everything. No. Um, but I will say my 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 biggest take from the Wofford uh, from the Wofford game was. Uh, they have the best names on their roster that I've ever heard in my life. Uh, oh, I started gathering them. Fletcher McGee, yeah. Trevor Stump, Keeve Aluma, Storm Murphy, Donovan Theme Love. I mean, come on. You can't get any better than that. I mean, um, outside of lacrosse, probably not. Yeah. 
Well, this is like this is what happens right there. <laughs> well, this is what happens when you have a team and you you know the EA just has to generate names. You know, that... <laughs> I think that's what I, their name their name sounds like when you when you say auto generate names when you start a new uh, dynasty in, in college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, I have a two part question for you guys, um, Brian. I'm going to let you start with the first part, and then I'll ask uh, Michael the second part. Um, how much do you think this team missed PJ in those first two games? I I mean PJ Washington definitely stood out as the star. I think the 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 players that needed to step up specifically, obviously Jamal Baker, um, and and Ashton Higgins, and of course you have you have EJ Montgomery stepping up. Um, they, they stepped up where they needed to, but not having PJ Washington on the on the scoring side, uh, that that's really been a, a huge struggle uh you know obviously tyler heroes needed to step up on the offensive side um and and yeah I, I think he he makes such a huge difference particularly on the offensive side of the floor that uh it, it, it's really it really seems like a lot more players need to need to step up and luckily they have um as michael said that the shooting from three being under 30 percent is not ideal but if we can keep, you know, driving and, and, and scoring enough to, to justify getting these wins over over um, over Wofford and hopefully Houston um, tomorrow, then then I don't I, I think we can make up that difference. But they definitely have been missing PJ Washington. Now, Michael, do you think PJ is going to play tomorrow? And if he does, how much do you think that Cal is going to throw him back in after you know the fact that he was in a cast and everything like that? Yeah, I think in the perfect world for Cal, he only plays 15 to 20 minutes tops um, and that we don't need him to win that game. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but even, you know, he had that practice today where they said his lateral movements and everything looked fine. So hopefully he's good to go. And honestly, even if he can go in there and get their two bigs in foul trouble, that will be productive. That'll Yeah, that'll make a huge difference. Yeah. So, because they are, and by two big guys, I mean, like, normal team guard size. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and they, they don't get taller on their bench. So, yeah, no, like, I, I expect him to have an impact. If anything else, I think it might fire up the rest of the team to have him back. Mm, that's, yeah, that's you know, a good The take. being at full strength, ready to go thing. I but think I, I would expect Cal to limit him if he can. If the team, if the team plays the way that they do, they have and maybe steps up the three-point playing a little bit and and just gets that 15 to 20 minutes from pj washington they'll handily beat houston i think right okay this is the probably the number one thing that drives me nuts about and i'm not like downing anyone but all of kentucky you know sports media of any time anybody who has a talk show a newspaper article or whatever every year they do the same thing in the ncaa tournament it doesn't matter how good we are we build up the other team to – I mean, I listened to multiple college shows today that were – or multiple radio shows that all said the same thing. Kentucky has to be perfect in every aspect of the game to have a chance to win this game. No. We no. do this every single year. We build up every opponent we play as if they are the perfect team. The only team that – the only team that really that, – that is the case, I, I guess the only two I would say would be North Carolina and Duke. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, even against Wolford, they were – built up is oh man they're gonna hit every single shot they take they're gonna shoot you know 
70% from the field, from three-point range. We have to be perfect. Their granted, best shooter went one close. for 12. Yeah, I mean, granted, <laughs> that game was close, but yeah, I like. I, I think we forget, we get so nervous and worked up that we forget we're a good team that they have to play perfect to beat us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case with Houston. Houston's good, but I think we're better. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, though, Houston, though, I've had a chance to watch them quite a bit. And they're really good. I think it ultimately is going to come down to what we do with Corey Davis. Um, if we're able to limit him because they Houston just revolves around him. If, if he's not going, then they're not going. Um, if we can limit what he does, then I think we can definitely take care of business. But if Houston is clicking, then we do need to be pretty close to perfect to beat them because they – They've beaten some very talented teams. I don't. I think the reason why people upplay it, Michael, is because we, you know, admittedly, when you're a part of something as big as the Big Blue Nation is, you don't want to get caught looking past or underestimating because that's when it bites you in the butt. Well, of course, I, mean, I guess, but I'm a fan. I, I'm allowed to overlook opponents. <laughs> like, I mean, I agree with the players. The players better not, but I can. <laughs> um, it, it really shouldn't affect the game. I mean, for many years, I thought things like where I sat and the clothing I wore affected the games. But I've come to realize that there's a 50% chance that's not true. <laughs> so, therefore, I'm allowed to overlook this team. Um, the fact that like, you said 50%. <laughs> the, um, I mean, I can't be sure. Uh, the, uh, what, yeah. So basically, in order to beat them, we have to shut down their best player. I wish there was a game that we had recently that we could look at for evidence in our ability to do that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe if you look back at the last one, you, that might be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we made the all-time three-point you know leader in NCAA basketball set a three-point record for the most shot attempts without a make in tournament ever. That's. I would say that that constitutes my my take on that is that's good defense. If this was football, <laughs> they'd have like a belt or a chain or something they give to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, now I got another two parter. Is this going to be predictions? So, Michael, let's start with you on this. What is your prediction for the outcome against Houston? I, man, I think Kentucky's going to win by double digits. Wow. Uh, uh, Vegas only has them by a three-point favorite. I, I'm aware of that, but I think the hype of PJ being back is going to have this team so fired up that they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. I, I really, do, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like a 20-point blowout, but I think a 10 to 10 to 12-point game where in the last few minutes, it's you know us just bending them off for making a comeback. Brian, uh, Lucas, I'm gonna I'm gonna allude to that that Vegas number you threw. You have to remember that right now, officially, PJ Washington is the the thought is that he's out. The Vegas line's gonna rock at three. If it gets announced once it gets officially announced that he's back in the lineup, I guarantee you it extends to five or six. Guarantee it. Um, I'm gonna give you two final score predictions here, and it's just because I'm gonna cautiously. <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna I'm gonna have two because I'm gonna I'm gonna be cautious and not guarantee P.J. Washington's return. Okay. If P.J. Washington is in the lineup, Kentucky's going to win 88-60. to 60. It's going to be a dominant game. If P.J. Washington is out of the game, Kentucky will probably win 80-60. to 60. 
because I still think they're going to handle the beast Houston. <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, bold. I think it's going to be much closer. I think if PJ plays um, and is effective for the limited time, because I definitely don't think that we should put, uh, push the envelope unless we truly need it. Um I think maybe this will probably be a five, six point victory, kind of like the Wolford game was. Well, I mean, that makes sense. You're definitely the most pessimistic fan out of the three of us. So. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that was the, honestly, honestly, I was kind of, I was kind of, pardon me, and, and this is only because I wanted to hear your reaction to it. I was kind of hoping that they were going to say PJ Washington for sure wasn't playing tomorrow because I wanted to hear you be the first person to predict a Kentucky loss on this podcast. Oh yeah. If he, if PJ didn't put that video up on Instagram yesterday of him walking, I totally would be picking against UK. Just saying. And you were the only person that I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not. And, and he maybe I'm going to be stretching a little bit by saying, maybe I'm stretching a little bit by saying if they don't have PJ Washington, they'll win by 20. But I think they, they number one, Cal, Cal lives for for these kind of games. Uh, and number two, I think the 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 smartest thing that they could do, and, and Michael said it best, was get their bigs in trouble in foul trouble. I think we can do that even without PJ Washington. He just does it better than anybody else. I think once that happens, and it has to rely on just Corey Davis, they're going to be in huge trouble. Yeah, and they like to play up and down quick, mm-hmm. which fits into our game, especially with I think if Ashton Higgins disrupts their rhythm. Enough yeah. times they're they're out they're done. It's and we good. haven't had a game where Hero's gone off yet in the tournament, and that's gonna happen. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe it's this one. I would rather it wait until you know the final four, but right. maybe it's this one. All right, Brian, I'll let you leave with the second round of predictions. What do you think? Let's you know because there are some hypotheticals. Let's say PJ comes back and he he is full health going forward. What do you think UK can do in this tournament? I think they can take it all the way. If PJ comes back, plays fully healthy. Um, right now, we don't know what, what the situation is with, with Tennessee and Purdue because uh, they're in the midst of, 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 of battling right now. Um, the, team, the two teams that scare me most besides Duke are Tennessee and North Carolina. Tennessee because we lost to them twice, although I think a little redemption is in order, and I think if they get that matchup, they're going to handily beat them. Um, the the other one the other one's North Carolina because it's North Carolina and North Carolina at the time always seems to scare me. Um, so <clears throat> if 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 PJ comes back and is at full health and is playing a hundred percent and we get that game from Tyler Hero and he starts breaking off and we get you know I mean Ashton Higgins at his full defensive capacity you can't stop these Wildcats you just cannot and I think the X factor if they go to the championship and play against Duke the X factor is going to be the fact that you have guys like Ashton Higgins stepping up. Uh, you know, Ashton Higgins wasn't present that first game they played Duke. Tyler Hero wasn't necessarily the star that he was when they played Duke. He had a, he had a rough start to the season. P.J. Washington emerged as the leader of this team. That wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't necessarily a huge factor against Duke. There's so many things that have, that have evolved with this Kentucky basketball team that I really think makes them so much more of a contender than people may think they are. Michael? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think... I think we'll beat either North Carolina or Auburn. Um, I, I I don't know who I'd rather play in that. We've already played both teams. Beating a team for the third time is difficult. Um, but, yeah, no, I just think if our team's playing the way that we can and we're playing good games, 
we, we still seem like two games this entire season where everyone had an on game. If we can get a stretch of even just one of these weekends with that, I don't, I don't see anybody beating us. Um, and I think a finals matchup against Duke would have a very different outcome than the first one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we've, we've found that Duke has an Achilles heel. UCF proved that. Yeah. Yeah, tacos. Um, so yeah. <laughs> we, we got to put in our 7-6 guy. <laughs> so the, I don't have this on the show notes, but I do. I, I was thinking a lot about this lately, um, and I wanted to pose the question to you all. Michael, I want you to start. Um, seeing what these players have done and, you know, obviously we still have the the rest of the tournament to see what they're capable of doing. Do you see anybody on the UK squad who should be going to the next level after this season? And if so, who and who should stay behind in your opinion? Okay. Yeah. Um, PJ's definitely gone. Kelton Johnson's definitely gone. Um, and I, I honestly think Hagen's and hero are gone. And then I wouldn't be surprised if we had a transfer from Montgomery, Montgomery or Richards and possibly even Baker transferring, depending on the rest of the recruiting class and how that goes. Do you think that that would be the right thing, or do you think some of those going should stay? Um, I, think, I think Higgins would be the biggest argument to stay. Um, I think Higgins could work himself into a top-five pick. Hero's going to be what Hero's going to be, um, and he's had a good year. He could have a great year, and maybe his stock would go up a few picks, but I don't think it would make enough enough of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, PJ should go. Kelton should go. Uh, th- their stock's great right now. They're, they're going to get drafted as high as they're going to go. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously we lose Reed Travis. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't have any transfers this year because I know we have a lot of good players coming in, but I, I really – think this team it's not losing the one and dones that drives me nuts it's losing the transfers or the people that go pro in europe mm-hmm. if we can stop that from happening we're we're, we're okay but yeah so I, I i guess going pro would be those four guys uh brian what about you yeah i i, I think he's i think he's right on the nose i i would i would like to see ashton higgins stay because i think there's nobody on this roster who could benefit as huge as ashton higgins could um, especially with his defensive prowess and the fact that uh, defense is something that that obviously has been has been joked about in the pros. I think people are going to be looking for defensive presence uh, in in drafts going forward. If Ashton Higgins can prove that he's an elite defender already um, by by returning and, and just dominating next year on that side of the floor, and also obviously you know improving his improving his scoring and passing skills uh, along the way, I think he works himself as, as a top five pick. I think you're right on. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, losing the transfers is, is, is always a very frustrating thing. Um, I, I, uh, but right now the, the biggest one that I'm paying attention to right now is, is Ashton Higgins. Cause I think he could stay one more year and just become an absolute superstar. Yeah, I agree with y'all. I think Higgins is the guy that is kind of on the fence. Should he, should he not? And Michael, I really agree with you on the transfers because, I think mm-hmm. that's the killer. We, you know, it's like we always lose the bench that could have experience that could be really helpful because they want to just go somewhere else and play, which I understand you got to do what's right for yourself. But it's just it's frustrating because having them on the bench will, would be so pivotal or pivotal for this team. 
Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of an environment in the Kentucky locker room where if you don't go pro after your first year, you're a failure. <laughs> we we got to get rid of that. Yeah. And I, I think we're working our way towards that not being the case. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, with uh, you know, like having, having somebody like Reed Travis come in and, and choose to come to Kentucky after playing for, or, you know, a, several seasons of college basketball. I think having a guy like that would kind of helps improve that that environment but yeah. um yeah i i would i would really hate to see the transfers transfer so really quickly um we'll move on from kentucky i want to talk about nku just really quickly they got beat in the round of 64 in the ncaa tournament by texas tech 72 to 57 um sharp had a great game 23 points sadly drew mcdonald senior in his last game in tournament you'd hope that he'd show up but uh he was only able to get five points did not have a great game at all um i really was pulling for nku to um pull out the upset but that did not happen it's kind of a sad ending to the year you really thought that they'd do something did y'all pick nku to win or was i the only one not no, I, I didn't. Wow. Yeah, I was the only one holding out faith. Um, I wanted to. <laughs> they, they're, you know, they need to, they need to put a couple years of of being a lower, you know, lower seed in the tournament before that culture really develops into. Oh, these guys could bust a bracket up. Yeah. So just they're on the right path. They are, and you know, you, you kind of hate for Drew to end it that way. Um, but hopefully this is, you know, they got some great people on that bench that now are going to have time to shine. And I really think that NKU, uh, can potentially be a force to reckon with going forward. Um, next want to move on to, and Michael, I apologize for this, but the Bengals, and we're only talking about the Bengals for one reason and one reason only. And that's because the last episode that we had, Mr. Brian Goins, called it before it happened he he must John Gruden must have heard him and decided that he needed to do this but he called that the Raiders were going to probably pick up Vontez and then we heard the rumors that they were looking at him and then sure enough they signed him to a one-year five million dollar deal Brian as I have written uh written what whatever the right tense of the word is on the show notes uh you get to boast Lucas, English is really hard, I understand. Um, <laughs> you might as well call me the Gruden Whisperer because at this point, I'm just going to try and predict every single one of John Gruden's moves going forward. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I like to think that I kind of, I kind of, I think I've gotten inside of his head. Maybe this will get me an assistant coach job or like a scout job, or maybe I can do like what his son does for him, just like strength and conditioning. Oh I don't gosh. even know why that's, I don't know why, like, I guess, I guess you can only teach NFL players how to lift so many different ways. But, um, <laughs> but speaking of which, have you seen John Gruden's son? No. So he's he's the strength and conditioning coach for the Raiders, and his arms are the size of my house. Wow. He's he is a machine. Um. So maybe you know maybe I can lock myself into you know if I can if I can just keep correctly predicting his moves going forward, you might see me working for the Oakland Raiders in the in the in the coming future. But um, yeah. In in all seriousness, I, I said that, and I, I, I said that, and, and and it was a real thought, and it was something like I had an idea it was going to happen, but I did not take into account that now Antonio Brown and Vontez Perfect are on the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they have a fair bit of history. <laughs> um, yeah, but didn't you see Antonio Brown went to Twitter to be like? 
you know, the past is the past. Even though that stuff happened on the field, we were still cool with each other off. We're brothers and blah, blah, blah. Of course, of course. And you have to say that. Otherwise, people would be like, is there trouble in paradise in Oakland? But I did I did not think about that when I predicted that. And now I'm thinking about it. And the, the prospect of those guys sharing a locker room is the most entertaining thing on the planet to me now. Uh, everyone is definitely calling for Hard Knocks to be there. Michael, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. That, that'll definitely be entertaining. I, I, I think this is Brian correctly predicting this is just a preview for his Southern Cal prediction. Oh, oh absolutely. My yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you I have no, to remember. There's evidence no. that he's right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to remember that I now have a shining history of predictions uh, of offseason moves uh, and never forget <laughs> that the, the prospect is still up there. Uh, Urban Meyer will be going to the USC Trojans. In twenty, I would say twenty twenty one because they just hired a new head coach. So I'm going to give them the 2019-2020 season, and then they're going to fire him midway through the twenty twenty season, uh, and then in twenty twenty one, or Urban Meyer's coming along. It's going to happen. Damn it, Michael! You have to listen. I, my <laughs> California team predictions are, are are are. I'm on fire. You can't stop me. <sighs> Why did you, I had to I, say something? My notes for the Bengals literally just say sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're moving on then from the Bengals. Uh, really briefly, uh, FC Cincinnati. Since we last were on, were able to get their uh, a few you know things in the history book as they got their first ever win in the MLS, their first home win in the MLS, and they've actually won the last two three um, nil over Portland Timbers and two nil over the New England Revo- uh, Revolution. Wow, almost said Revelation, um, and they're. I, Brian, I mean, you and I have really talked about this, and you were the one that really got me started on FC. What is your thoughts about the you know the past two matches? You know, it's really good to know that Cincinnati can beat New England at something. Um, <laughs> that was the first – no, did you guys not see that statistic? That was the first time a Cincinnati team has ever beaten the New England team inside of uh, Foxborough. Yeah, yep, yeah, uh-huh, yep. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's really nice to know that, uh, that Cincinnati can beat New England at something – in all seriousness, uh, I think it's a, it's a good track to go. New England's actually a really, really strong squad. So um, to get a win over them is a nice statement. Well, Portland uh, finished second last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you have, you have two, you know, big wins against squads. that. Now, I think Portland lost a lot of their roster um, going forward, but New England's, New England's got a lot of retention. They didn't have a lot of turnover. So um, to have two big statement wins over, over teams that are that – are, becoming a force in the MLS. Uh, that's obviously huge things uh, and a good start to the first season of MLS soccer in Cincinnati. So it's exciting. Definitely. Um, uh, Michael, real quick, uh, do you follow FC at all or are you interested in Not as much MLS? as I would like. I love soccer. Um, uh, I, I haven't been following them as much as I would like. I haven't gone to any games. Have you all been to many of their games? I've been to five of them. Five of them? That's awesome. Yeah. I have not been, but I want to really badly. Yeah, they're well, a obviously, living in Louisville now, I'll probably start getting into the Louisville team more than anything. There you go. Because yeah. they're so close. Yeah. They're fun. It, the, the, yeah, the, they're good, too. They're fun to go, it's fun to, go to, uh, to, to a game. I, I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, no, I love soccer, though. So, yeah. Sweet. Well, hopefully FC keeps it up and we'll just have to wait and see now onto the last team of the local it's opening day, at least while when we recorded this. Um, so baseball is back in the air. Uh, 
in a lot of people on social media were posting being at the game. And I'm like, this is the one game you're going to be at all year. Um, I'm surprised. Uh, Michael, aren't you a big Reds fan? Uh, I like the Reds. I'm not a huge baseball fan, oh, Okay, uh, but the Reds are definitely my team. Um, I, I end up usually going to a couple games every year. So I, I, I enjoyed them. I think we all know who was at opening day today that we all three have uh, worked with previously. Um, <laughs> Michael pick up on that or only Brian? I, I, I kind of picked up on that. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. <laughs> so they won. Uh, we're one and oh, we are a hundred percent on the win column five to three over the pirates. A uh, great way to start off the, uh, you know, the baseball season, uh, really quickly, the, just the kind of thing that I wanted to ask you guys, what's your predictions? Uh, honestly, I kind of want to put it at an over under. Uh, do you think that this reds team, getting a preview of them today and what they can be throughout the season. Are they going to be plus minus 81 wins this year? Michael first. Uh, Yeah, that's funny. I I was going to ask the same question to you guys since I know that you all probably follow it a little bit more. (laughs) What what was the win total last year? 57. Uh, Yes. Okay. Um, So you're looking, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel like they are building a team in the right way and that this is going to be a much better team than last year. I, I don't know if we'll get I, – I don't know if we're there yet. I, I think it might be two years um, until we've got up to, like, upper 80s, 90s, and wins. So I'm going to go under. Brian? Okay, so the first off, if you go off of the way that the first five that – are, that are starting uh, – uh, sorry, our the first five in our batting order went today. Our first, our first five in our batting order went one for – 12 one for 16 or something like that today they had one hit amongst the five of them and that's not very good however um we had two off-season signings that not that that flew under the radar because they were late february and it was after we signed yes week matt camp sunday gray tanner warwick alex all those guys um and it was Derek dietrich and jose iglesias and they sound super insignificant but those two guys stepped up in a huge way and they have a season that reflects their opening day um, Derek Dietrich is a utility guy who came off the bench and hit a three-run home run, and Jose Iglesias hit the other two runs home and had two doubles today. Um, and they're not; neither one of them are starters. If the depth can play the way that uh, they did today, and and kind of you know pick up the slack that maybe you know your 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 superstars, um, you know when they have their inevitable off weeks uh, in a, in the long grueling baseball season, if that can happen, if the depth can play up to that, then this is, a, this is an upper eighties win team. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely an upper eighties win team. I would take the over on this. Um, I don't know if they're going to crack 90, but I think they can do it. What did you think about, uh, Castillo, uh, Cast- Castello, Castillo, Luis Castillo. Yeah. Castillo today. I mean, he went five innings, you know, only one earned run eight Ks. That's pretty good. Yeah, a good, a solid five innings to start. I mean, obviously, you're going to see less innings from your starters in the beginning uh, of the season just because they have to get themselves ready to pitch nine innings or, you know, ready to pitch seven, eight innings throughout the season. Um, I was surprised that he got that, that uh, Luis Castillo got the nod uh, as the ace for the for the lineup for the starting rotation. Um, and it's, I think it's, I think the Reds staff believes the same thing that I believe. And that's Luis Castillo will have a breakout year, possibly getting into Cy Young contention. Hmm. 
So I, I, I think Luis Castillo can do it. I think he's that good, and this is the year he has to do it. So that'd be awesome. That was an interesting. It would. Um, so I, I'm kind of with y'all. I think that if it's kind of an interesting situation. I think if the Reds are in in playoff contention and stuff like that, they'll keep fighting. They'll work for it. If this team works good enough, they can definitely be over uh, 81 wins. But I think if they're like the the squad just isn't exactly what it is, or they're right on the fence of being in the playoffs. I think the Reds start selling, and then ultimately we don't get over eighty one because they're going to keep trying to build, you know, up, you know, different positions and stuff, especially like the pitching, uh, to get better. So it, it's kind of a, a give or take, but I feel like we're probably going to be under eighty one wins for this season, but I think we'll be very close to eighty one. The other. The other thing to take into account is that Scooter Gannett's injured, and Scooter Gannett's one of the best hitters in the NL Central. So once he comes back, that's it just stacks up that lineup. So it's going to be a fun year in Cincinnati, I think. It'll actually be competitive baseball for once, for the you know first time in five years, it feels like. <laughs> so uh, that is everything with the local segment. Again, is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code Double Technical for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So we are going to take a quick break. I got another baseball question. Oh, no. We are not taking a quick break. What is this? So since you know, Today's opening day, and it's back and everything. What's your favorite uh, ballpark food? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, that is that's that is a pretty. I mean, I'm gonna go basic, but peanuts. Okay, peanuts. I I would say at, at at Great American Ballpark, I would say that the the Reds have probably the best stadium personal pizza that any hmm. that any stadium i've ever been to i had the pizza at paul brown stadium too and it was really bad um but at but i will say at great american ballpark they have some good pizza back there in their little in their little warmers so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with pizza that's awesome they do I, 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 the fa- my favorite thing to get at a ballpark is an, a huge big old turkey leg I all right more than what eat the turkey leg like I'm in a medieval castle watching a baseball game. Oh my god! I was kind of I, I was kind of taking the route of like I buy that turkey leg and imagine that I have a baseball bat in my hands, <laughs> and then you know you get the aluminum that it comes in. You roll that up and somebody pitches it to you and you swing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Y'all are ridiculous. Um, wait does 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 beer does Bud Light count as a food? It's got calories. I I mean I just assumed that we were all having beer. Yeah. Very. Because okay, yeah. Because yeah. if if, if <laughs> I would take that. That would be my. That would be my go-to. Uh, okay. La- last question yeah. before we go on the break that we were supposed to be taking until Michael interrupted. Uh, with a great question though, <laughs> um, the peanuts. Do you eat the shell or do you take them out of the shell? Oh, you take them out of the shell. Yeah. Man. Who eats them in the shell? About? There, there, there are people that eat it in the shell, or they'll like, um, they'll suck on the shell to get the salt and stuff off, and then you know, bust it open. Or oh, are you? Yeah, that's different. That's or, different. Or are you someone you that like puts it in your beer too? The shell. I thought you were talking about people chewing up the shell. Oh, I know people that do that. I know people that's that do that. That's a crime against humanity. Uh, what about putting it in your beer and drinking it? Yeah, people put like uh the peanuts and stuff in the beer to add flavor. Baseball fans are weird, man. Yeah, they are. I feel like <laughs> I feel like people that do that have serious problems on on two counts. <laughs> number one, 
they can't do something as simple as eat peanuts right. And number two, <laughs> they're ruining beer. Beer doesn't need flavor added. That's a good Michael point. Apparently, has never enjoyed. Uh, they apparently are trying to invent Bud Light Ghosts, which is the salty beer. Yeah, there um, you go. That's not. A, that's not a good idea. Bud Light already like <laughs> you already are pretty much drinking water. You can't make it salt water. You'll dehydrate yourself. If I ever run into anybody that's putting peanuts in their beer, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, you must know Lucas Fryman. <laughs> Surely, there's only one of you." <laughs> I, my honestly, you're taking a much more you're, you're taking a much more uh, diplomatic approach than I would. I would just knock it out of their hands. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. and if they look at you me, if they look at me like beer? I, if they look at me and said, "Why'd you do that to me?" I'd be like, "Why are you doing that to your beer?" Yeah, you owe them ten dollars. Then all right, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is going to conclude the local segment. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk NFL and the rest of the NCAA tournament. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and we are going to talk about the NFL and the NCAA tournament. But first, NFL. NFL made some headlines by uh, officially adapting a new rule change that will be in place, I believe, next year. Um, two things were on the ballot, and I want to talk to both of you about that, actually. I didn't put that in the show notes. Um, but the... The first one that did actually get accepted is all pass interference call and even no calls are now reviewable uh, with the replay system to either overturn or, you know, challenge a flag, get a flag. All of that is now reviewable. The only owner who voted no against that was Mike Brown, of course. Um, and he was quoted saying because he thought it would make the games too long and it will. We just need to learn to play on. Um, I, Michael's going to have probably the best reaction to this. So Brian, let's get your opinion on this first. You know, I actually developed a lot of respect for, for Mike Brown for, for standing his ground on this one. And if you look the whole quote on it, it's actually a really solid reasoning. Um, you can tell that he's a guy who, I don't know. He may, I, I kind of, I, I, my thought process on Mike Brown has changed a little bit because I think he likes football more than I give him credit for. Um, but overall, I, if we had to go this route, this is the route, this is the farthest I want to go. I don't want to go any further than this. I don't like it. Um, I, I really think it should be limited to only situations like the saints over the Rams, uh, you know, in, in that game, it should only be blatantly obvious. If it goes any further than that, then we're starting to ruin football. And, and that's kind of my concern because the fact that it's with, you know, no calls and pass interference calls that were flagged, like that's going to, you know, I, I feel like there needs to be something wrote in there that there has to be a limit on how many times you can challenge that and things like that because it's going, the stoppage would be ridiculous um, going forward. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> the person that I really wanted to hear this from and the, really the only reason why I wanted to put this in the show, Michael, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I feel like you really built this up. Um, the So I, I guess my biggest takeaway is have they also announced they're going to move the um, second set of games back to starting at 5 o'clock on Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> because they're going to have to. Um, it, it's 
man, oh man, like I, I don't know how you do this. How do you review no calls? Every passing down? Yeah. I mean, it, it's only done, uh, you know, when a, a flag is thrown, obviously, for uh, for the replay challenge. So it's not like they're always going to do it. It has the coach has to challenge it. So if they're out of challenges or challenge flag or under two minutes, then it has to be reviewed by the booth. So there will be some under limitation. Two under two minutes, you got to think of how many times that, that could be reviewed under two minutes because. Yeah. Say you have a team that's on the twenty yard line, on their own twenty yard line, having to drive down the field, and there's like a minute left, and they're just trying to bomb it. Think about that. How many times a no call might happen? That's gonna it's gonna make one minute last half an hour. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I also need to know what they're gonna do because I think they're gonna now have a huge problem with flopping. And I think will they pick up a flag if a player flops? Because I think you're going to have receivers running into um, safeties and cornerbacks and going down instead of trying to catch balls. I never thought about that. That's actually a very interesting take. Yeah, I, that is a concern. I mean, my thing is, is I feel like if they are going to do this review system, okay, they cannot be slowed down. Whatever video that they are being streamlined has to be in real time. And that's how they make their decision. Because if you slow it down, then you're going to get pass interference called either way on every single challenge. Or yeah, you know. So there, there needs to be some rules. But I just know, and the reason why I was excited for your reaction, Michael, was because I know New Orleans Saints everywhere are probably rejoicing uh, that this is uh, something that is now going to be available. Um, you know, they got their way just uh, a, a little bit too late. Well, that's good. They can have a parade for this because they couldn't have one for a Super Bowl win. You know, you can throw a parade in New Orleans at any given time. Right? That is a valid point. You yes. can you can go to like the I, I can't remember where it's like you go to, like the police station or something, and they have like police they have like the homicide station. division, they have narcotics, and then they have parades. And you go to like parades, and you go, hey, here's three hundred dollars. I want to throw a parade, and then they yeah. So there you go. It's a real. They could actually throw this parade. I can. Only... I want to do it myself. <laughs> my my other thing that I'm going to say about this is, I first of all, we're, we're talking about the advancement in technology for us to be able to see this and do the replays. Why are we still having a guy walk over and look in a hood? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Why do we <clears> still have two it. guys holding a chain that is ten yards long doing the measurement? Yeah. No. Exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's completely. If you're going to do this, you need to have a room with like 10 officials in it, have a central location. One has to be they can pull up any play from any game that's challenged and they make the decision. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing that I think is going to happen with this is it's going to be just like when they change the uh, ref and the passer calls. Mm hmm. Where the first like five weeks of the year, you're gonna, they're, it's gonna happen like nine million times until somebody says we need to put a stop to this, and then it won't happen for like I don't know six weeks, and then like it'll build up to the playoffs and steadily increase in volume, and then the playoffs will happen. One big play will go down where it's big and controversial, and then we'll have to review it next year. This That's is exactly how this is gonna go. Yeah, this isn't how you want your titles determined. You want yeah. them to determine on the field with the players, and I feel like we're taking that more and more away from the players, and 
it's just I, I we'll see maybe it'll work great i don't know i'm not i'm skeptical <laughs> kind of like what you were saying though michael with the flopping do you think that they the nfl might have to impose something kind of like the nba does where you get fined yeah they're gonna have to because i think it's i think it's the biggest problem in college or in all of basketball right now is flopping Oh, I guarantee you fines will happen because Roger Goodell hears the word fines and then he his pants get a little tighter. So, oh, Brian, this I, is a clean show. <laughs> <laughs> All so right. I guess that means we can't talk about the Hey, I ball. said that in the least explicit way possible. So you no, no, the, you have to think about that one. You you still erected my attention. Okay, um, <laughs> now here's hey, Mr. Kraft, big fan. <laughs> That's what Michael said. <laughs> All right. So the the other thing that I did not have on the show notes, and I thought this was interesting, um, the Kansas City Chiefs owner tried to pitch a new rule where the coin toss would be uh, eliminated in overtime and each team would get two guaranteed possessions. Uh, and all the owners shot that down. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, whoever wants to go first, just talk. Um, okay, I guess I'll go first then. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I still, I still, I'm going to hold out on this, on the way the overtime system is currently set up. I, I think, I think the overtime system right now is fair because I think it, what it does is it forces both sides of your team to be good enough. You know, if your team can't stop the other team from taking one drive and going down and scoring a touchdown, then you deserve to lose. If you can hold them to a field goal, then maybe your offense gets a chance to do it, you know, to tie or, you know, I think it's, I think it's set up perfectly fine right now. And I really don't want to mess with it. I, they're still going to have to flip a coin. Yeah. I mean, like you can't who, just say both teams are going to get two possessions. Let's line up and go. Like you're still going to have to decide who goes first. So that's a weird way of doing it. But, I, I agree. The the game should not be decided by a coin flip, and a lot of people feel like they are. Um, I I think the change is though, regardless of whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, is you give the other team a possession, and then if they tie it, it's next point wins. That's how I feel. But then you have a lot of people being like, well. Defense needs to step up. If you have two sides of the ball, you need to keep them out of the end zone to ensure that your offense gets the chance to win the game. Yeah, that's my take that I just gave. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it really was. But um, yeah, because that that would be horrible for the NFL to have you know closer games come down and you know overtime go longer. Yeah, I mean. Off, offense is more now, exciting. Now you're, now you're wanting to extend overtime, and also, uh, like you have to review. Like games are going to take forever if they ever go to overtime. Just don't. I, I like I, I, Michael. I like Michael's idea because it's almost expanding on how it currently is. It's just giving a touchdown. Uh, you know, giving another chance after a touchdown rather than giving it. Get you know a touchdown being you know uh, how would you say it? sudden death. Yeah, like I and I feel like you can't even argue at that point. What's your argument? You yeah. suck in both aspects of football. <laughs> like you gave up a touchdown, then couldn't score one. What else do you want us to do for you? Yeah, uh, and that's how college works, and that's why I think they should adapt that. Just not necessarily the start at the twenty-five. Uh, you know, in, or yeah, the twenty-five uh, on your side. 
Although, man, I would love to see some seven overtime pro football games. I want to know if Tom Brady can play seven overtimes. I want to know how far his clutch gene goes. Well, here's the thing you guys got to remember is there the only way it would be seven overtime is if it was in the playoffs because in the regular season it's just a tie. Right. Right. But still, I mean, but even that, 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 that raises the stakes. Think about it. Tom Brady in the AFC Championship in seven overtimes, do you really think his arm's going to hold up? I mean, I don't know. I, there's Tom Brady, but if you, if you ask Patriot fans, they'll probably say he'll die at the end of regulation and then come back to life in the third overtime to win. <laughs> <sighs> oh, my gosh. All right. That, that's a good stopping point on the NFL. Um <laughs> always something. How does Brady always find his way into this? Um, I mean, when he wins six championships, yeah, that's true. you kind of are football at this point. Just kind of. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to move on to the most exciting thing, in my opinion, because this is an amazing time of year and March madness the we had our brackets filled out um we are in our own little battle here uh amongst ourselves on ESPN Who's winning that one? Um well like always Michael is leading the front um he Yeah I didn't I I I knew going into this that I had no chance of beating Michael I knew that <laughs> He has been uh 54% accurate on his picks thus far uh, Brian is uh, close, well, somewhat close behind with 35.9%. And then there's me, of course, with 30% accuracy. Um, so let's really quickly kind of go through the round of uh, 64, some of the big ones. Um, UCF destroying uh, VCU. Not a lot of people saw that one coming. Um, Mississippi State being beat by Liberty. Uh, that was very surprising as well. Uh, what was your guys' thought on Miss Minnesota taking down Louisville? Michael, let's start with you. It was beautiful. <laughs> Every NCAA tournament should start off with the Louisville loss. <laughs> that would be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Louisville's just... I mean, Louisville deserved to be in the tournament, but that's Louisville right there. I mean, they're, they, they have some building to do. Um, they got saved by getting some grad transfers this year, but they have they have some building to do. They've got a huge recruiting class next year. They'll start to get better, and they'll be like Xavier and make the Sweet Sixteen runs all the time. Um, Coincidentally, coached by Chris Mack. Right. Well, that's why I said yeah. that. Um, so and he'll occasionally get an Elite Eight appearance out of them. But I just loved it. I thought it was great. I I was disappointed Rick wasn't there. <laughs> I had a feeling. I, I was really hoping he was going to be behind the uh, Minnesota bench. I was really hoping that. Oh yeah, in like Minnesota shirts with like a scarf. Oh yeah, oh it would have been beautiful. Yeah. I now I will say, part part of me likes seeing Louisville get like the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight because the losses in there hurt a lot more than the first round loss. I mean, yeah, it's bragging rights if you lose in the first round. Like you kind of suck, but like. If you go to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight and you lose, like it's just fun to see Louisville fans be that sad. Um, I don't know. I think I that's know. my least favorite part of you. <laughs> I just, I thought, uh, I, I, I thought this was the ultimate revenge for Rick Pitino, though. It was great because his son, the the product of his genes, 
uh, gets the last laugh against that program, and I thought that was just great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that game. Uh, Michael, what was your thoughts? Uh, just kind of going through the the big upsets, I should say, or or the kind of surprising games in the first round. What were your thoughts on Oklahoma destroying Old Miss by twenty three points? Yeah. So the SEC came to play, unless you were in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> um yeah no that i did not see that coming um that that was very surprising i you know honestly there weren't all that many surprising games in this year's tournament no not not really there there was I mean, only a few yeah the sweet 16 has 14 of the top 16 teams in it that's crazy yeah yeah, yeah and the two teams very... that the two like you know upset teams that are in it both won power five conference tournaments before this tournament started so they're not really upsets. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, most of most of the, the, the I'd say the the biggest ones to me, the biggest ones to me were UC Irvine, Oregon, and um, uh, speaking uh, Murray of Murray State. Speaking but even of, Murray State was yeah, like, uh, but I, everyone knew Murray State was going to win that first round. Everyone, yeah, knew that. and I I was glad that that happened, um, for not only that program but for him. Um, he, he gave him a chance to shine in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, think John uh, I, I thought Belmont was going to win more than they, they did. Me he too. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, uh, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I did have UC Irvine winning unlike you two. Um, you know, I I just knew that that was going to happen. What about Cincinnati right, Lucas, getting bounced? The bottom of the standings that doesn't increase your shut up. Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cincinnati. That was that. That's bad on their part, man. Like. That's basically they played in Columbus, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to choke in Columbus? I yeah. They did to Iowa. That I mean, it was very surprising. I, I, I actually thought that they would put up a good fight against Tennessee, and so obviously that was wrong. I was cautiously yeah. pessimistic about Cincinnati. Um, I had them winning that game, but I because they don't necessarily have a comparable strength of schedule. I, I was very cautious about them. Um, so it wasn't overtly surprising that they lost. What yeah. about uh, Ohio State getting the W over Iowa State? Iowa State, I personally, in my bracket, I thought that they were going to be a Sweet 16 team, but apparently they just, you know, they they were too high off of that Big 12 uh, championship win. Um. I lost so much money on Iowa State this season that I was never going to pick them to win any game. <laughs> Every single time that I had ever bet Iowa State, they lost. And I have a friend that actually goes to Iowa State, and I like, and I keep telling them over and over again. Like it happened, I think five times this season. Every single loss they had, I said I had them. You know, I had them covering the spread. I had them the, over and over. You know, so my faith in Iowa State was completely shaken. So when I heard people putting them in the Sweet 16, I was furious. And I that was the only time that you would ever catch me rooting for Ohio State in a basketball game. <laughs> I feel like you know, I was, Iowa State's one of those teams that every year, like we hear about a team out there that's like really good and going to make a deep, deep tournament run, and they always show. Very true. Very true. I... I was I sadly jumped on that hype train and uh you know paid the price. Um, you know I have I have one more take on this on this uh on this Rick Pitino and Louisville thing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Do, do you think do you think that um Rick Pitino is officially the the 
like greatest thing to happen to Kentucky basketball ever because he brought us a national championship. And then, of course, he brought Louisville a national championship, but then he completely dismantled their program and then bounced him in, or his son bounced him in the first round. Yeah, oh, he's hands down. Like, Does that there's never Kentucky been a Kentucky legend. coach dedicated enough to actually go coach and destroy the rival. It was the 20 year old, it was the 20 year plan. Yeah, it really was. So I think that really makes him, that makes him the, like, he should, he should get a statue next to Adolph Rupp and John Calipari eventually. All yeah, right, no, on, to uh, the, yeah. on, on to the round of 32. Uh, you, you two are <laughs> killing me. Um, so uh, some of the surprising victories in that, well, I didn't think it was surprising. I had Auburn winning. Michael, you surprisingly did not. Uh, Auburn beating Kansas 89-75. to 75. What, what made you think that Kansas would be able to beat Auburn? I felt like it was a coin flip with two programs that like to choke in the tournament. And that's I a lost. good point. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then let's see. I'm sorry. Well, that Iowa game, Iowa, Tennessee, the, I, yeah, that, Iowa yeah. blew that. I mean, they, they had that game one after coming back from 25 down and then found a way to choke that away. Um, Brian, what were your thoughts? I know we all just talked about how we liked John uh, John Morant um, and Murray State. They got destroyed by Florida State in the round of 32, 90-62. Do you think that, you know, the first game really helped Jaws' value, but do you think the second game maybe hurt it at all? No, not at all, because I think Florida State was was a better team than they they were given credit for. And I I think you remember me. If you remember, I I talked about Florida State. I'm always – it's always those middle-of-the-road ACC teams that just get really hot for one game in the tournament, and Florida State was that team, um, and it happened against Murray State. Uh, so I don't think it hurt John Moran's value. I think just the fact that he was able to, to play up and beat a five-seed um, in, in the round of 64, I think that did enough for him to really showcase as a, uh, as a premier talent. And then LSU got the victory. Michael, were you surprised that they were able to get to the Sweet 16? Yeah, I expected with all the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff going on for that to be hard for them to focus and for them to choke. But they've seemed to, uh, they seem to really pull it together. Uh, it's very surprising, actually. Yeah, I, 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 that, I'm like you. I thought that that whole turmoil there was going to maybe cause them to get bounced early, and they're, they're, they're looking pretty good. Now they kind of scare me because it seems like they're playing pissed off. They are, yeah, very much. Um, so okay, I I want to talk all the other games briefly because I know this one we are going to spend some time on. Uh, Duke versus UCF, the the game that should have been the upset of the year. Uh, Duke won seventy seven to seventy six. Um, to to briefly explain the ending before I get y'all's opinion, um. It was a tight game. As it got down to the the final stretch, there was a lob missed uh, for UCF, which could have put them up by six and I think would have ended the game there. Instead, Cam Reddish ends up going down, hitting a three. Uh, Taco found, uh, fouls out by not fouling Zion hard enough after Zion got a clean uh, charge, uh, didn't get called, and then put the ball up, and Taco gently fouled him to where uh, Zion got an and one to uh, put them uh, well tie the game at the time. And it just, it, it was a mess. And 
uh, UCF had the chance and the and God just said no on that tip in there at the end and Duke somehow escapes winning 77 to 76 Michael what was your takeaway from that game yeah that was disheartening I I thought that they had it and I I think even including all Kentucky players I think taco might be my favorite player that was in the tournament this year I like taco oh yeah and he, he had a great game too he did but he was in foul trouble a lot yeah which is understandable with the way Duke plays um and that was my concern about Zion, with him being the star he is and playing for Duke. He could put his head down and drive through anybody, and nine out of ten times they're not going to call it on him. Mm-hmm. But um, you know what? They choked it. I think that just is more proof that this Duke team is not unbeatable. And I am no longer feeling confident they're going to make it all the way to the finals. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I thought I- – I thought the big difference in this game, too, uh, was uh, extraordinary guard play from uh, B.J. Taylor and Aubrey Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, B.J. Taylor didn't have a good clip from, you know, in field goal percentage, but he made up for it with, uh, with, you know, with free throw shooting, drawing some fouls. But Aubrey Dawkins dropping 32, I think, was a gigantic difference maker. If you can have a guard play that well and then at least be able to, to – to, keep up with Zion Williamson down low. I think that's that's the key against Duke and that's what gave UCF the chance. So, two two more uh additions onto that game. One, did both of y'all see how Coach K was like almost in tears after that game because he felt bad for uh the UCF head coach who used to be one of his assistant coaches or whatever cuz he's like we've been on the side of bad beats and them players and him coach their butts off and deserve to win and blah, blah, blah. Did, did you guys catch that? Yeah, that's crap. He doesn't have a soul. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah that, that's, that's right. That's correct. Okay. Be a correct take. So uh, th- then my next follow-up question is how disgusted were you guys when you found out CBS was doing a Zion dedicated camera? I, I wasn't surprised at all. I did want somebody to call Jay Billis, though, to make sure he was okay that he couldn't commentate it. And I, I did hear a great take on uh, online on Twitter where somebody asked if it was just going to be, you know, his eyes. We were going to be looking through Jay's eyes <laughs> for a game since that's how he watches Duke play. <laughs> that is yeah, awesome. I, I, um, I kind of want to make a pitch to CBS to uh, – to have a to have a Brian Mike so that they can hear all the expletives I yell at Duke during the game, because um, I think that's way more entertaining than whatever Zion Williamson is doing when he doesn't have the basketball. Definitely. Okay, so that is all the recap, and uh, but now going forward, let's look at the Sweet Sixteen games that uh, have happened uh, and are going to happen and kind of let's talk about what we think going forward. Um, Gonzaga beat Florida state 72 to 58. Uh, Brian, you said you did like Florida state. What were your thoughts on that? Well, uh, they had their hot game. They just had their hot game way too early. They had their hot game against a team. They didn't need to get hot against. If they would have had the game they had against Murray state against Gonzaga, they would have had a chance. But unfortunately, Gonzaga looks way better than I gave them credit for. Um, and yeah, they're, 
they're an elite eight team that could possibly be a force, um, hopefully against Michigan, depending on how this game goes. And then the other game that is final while we're recording this is Purdue, Tennessee is went into overtime, but Purdue won 99 to 94. Michael, what are your thoughts on Tennessee going down? And do you think <coughs> Purdue uh, is, has something after surviving a game like this? Yeah. I mean, Purdue, Purdue's being led by one player that is playing outstanding right now. If he if he keeps that up, they're going to be difficult to beat. Um, it, it was kind of ironic that Tennessee lost um, the way they did because they were down huge and then made a huge comeback and then lost in the end, which was you know the exact opposite of their last game. So that thought that was a little ironic, but I'm surprised Tennessee's out. I thought Tennessee was a legitimate Final Four team. I did as well. I was actually kind of hoping for, um, you know, UK to avenge. Uh, then that would have been a lot of fun. Did you guys realize that Tyler Reifert's little brother plays for Purdue? No, did not. Grady Eifert. Yeah, he's he's yeah. Grady Eifert plays uh, plays for Purdue. That's awesome. Anyways, um, <laughs> so. Texas Tech and Michigan are playing currently as we are recording this. Um, I think we all have Michigan advancing, don't we? I, I do. I, Michael does. Brian, do you have Michigan advancing? Yeah. Yep. Um, looking at the other games, obviously we talked about Kentucky versus Houston. Um, this is the game that I'm actually – there's two games that I'm really interested in. and The first one is North Carolina versus Auburn. Um, Michael, we'll start with you. What do you think is the likeliness that Auburn can pull up the uh, upset over North Carolina? Yeah, I think they have very similar styles of play. I think it's going to be a great game. It's it's kind of funny how this weekend turned out. All the good games are um, tomorrow. Yeah. This week 16. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, all the big teams, everybody plays tomorrow. So it's really interesting. Uh, no, but that game is going to be an intriguing matchup. I honestly, I think it'll be close, and I can, it, it could go either way. Auburn's capable of beating that um, North Carolina team. Who do you want to uh, to win for the Kentucky matchup if we take care of business against Houston? <sighs> See, that's, uh, I'm going to overthink this because it's really hard to beat a team three times. But North Carolina's the better team. Auburn might be a little, you know, have it in their head that they can't beat us since we've already beaten them twice. I guess if I had to pick, it would make sense to play Auburn, that North Carolina's the better team. Mm-hmm. I, I would want Auburn as well. Um, Brian, what about you? What are your thoughts on the likeliness of Auburn knocking them off, and who would you rather face if you're Kentucky going forward? Well, I think the difference is going to be North Carolina's bench for sure. Uh, Nasir Little uh, is is averaging 19.5 points through the first two games. And if he comes off and scores like that, I think North Carolina will dominate Auburn. Um, if that doesn't happen, it'll be, it'll be close because I think Auburn can keep up with North Carolina. But North Carolina starts every game with so much gas in the tank that it'll be, it'll be tough. Um, It'll be tough to beat them. As far as who I'd like to play, man, um, I think I'm with Michael here. I think I'd rather play Auburn because I think the matchup is better with Auburn. I think North Carolina's depth scares me a little bit uh, as far as how, how you know what, what kind of clip their bench can score at and how physical their bench plays and, and the fact that they have guys who can really contribute. 
Whereas I think that lacks uh, it a little bit on Auburn's side. So I think I would rather play Auburn because I think Kentucky can handily beat them again. But uh, yeah, North Carolina, North Carolina looks really good. Now uh, the <laughs> real quick, what's the likeliness that Virginia goes down tonight? Don't need a big analysis, but Brian, what are your, do you think Virginia could potentially lose? Cause how they notoriously I'm- do that. I'm 50-50. I think Virginia plays trash basketball for 2019. So, <laughs> Michael? Yeah, no, I, I think Virginia can lose every game. All right. That, I mean, technically every team could lose every game, but th- that that's still an astute observation. Um, yeah, well, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, I just, when your style of play is to – have a strong defense and then win the low scoring game that does not work in basketball in tournament time because all you need is one player like for instance purdue would be a bad matchup for them Mm -hmm. because there's a guy averaging 30 points a game in the tournament true and you know virginia scores 50 so one guy is gonna do all that i I just I, i don't think that style can win an ncaa tournament It'll definitely be interesting. I will laugh my butt off if Virginia uh, loses to the number 12 Oregon Ducks tonight. Um, the thing the thing about Virginia, though, is do you think they kind of try to play for a little redemption? Like, hey, we lost to a 16 seed, now we're the national champions. But Are they trying to make that happen? Is that a, is that a Cinderella story in itself? <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you can make up for losing to a 16 is to win the title the next year. <laughs> <laughs> like that is the only way to be redeemed. Anything less, that, you're is just that the best turnaround of all time. If that happens, well, yeah. I mean, it, the only other thing would be if like a team went over one year and then went, uh, they won every game the next. Uh, that would be the only way to be different. I um, guess it, that that's a great take though, Brian. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like that's the that's the greatest like. I think they should their their whole team should get comeback player of the year. <laughs> the, just comeback school of the year. Just, just well, the no, fact I mean, that I'm they talking, rebounded from the that. NBA. I'm talking the NBA comeback player of the year award. Don't give it to anybody but the entire Virginia Cavaliers basketball team. Oh my gosh, it. you're ridiculous. All right, so um, Brian, what about Michigan State versus LSU? Who do you think is going to win this? That's a tough one, man. If LSU keeps playing as pissed off as they are. Uh, I want to I, I want to lean their way, but we're talking about Tom Izzo coaching in the tournament. But we're I also mean, talking about Tom a Michigan Izzo, State Tom team Izzo's that, a, you know, is like Virginia. Right, but also Tom Izzo is, is having the kind of tournament where he looks like he's trying to fight all of his players, so I think he's <laughs> pissing everybody off. And I think I think, I think it's it's – I don't know. I, it's really hard. I know you can't base an entire decision off of a coach, but in Tom Izzo's case, I think you can. He's one of the he's one of the best postseason coaches. Isn't he like Mr. Elite Eight? Doesn't he win almost every Sweet Sixteen game he's in? Yeah, yeah. I thought he had exactly. some like crazy he's, stat. About he's a that. magician. He's a magician in the in the at least the first three rounds of the tournament. So is uh John. Uh, he's ten and one in the Sweet Sixteen. We all know what that one was. Yeah, ah, oh, West Virginia. Uh, I, I just—it's I, hard for me to—it's hard for me to go against Tom Izzo here. What about you, Michael? You think wait. SEC can get a win? Yeah, wait. Let's go back. Oh, who did Kentucky lose to in the Sweet Sixteen? 
West Virginia back when the John Wall era. Yeah, that was Elite Eight. No, that was Sweet Sixteen, he right? Off the Kansas State. Was I thought that was. No, that was the lead eight. We lost to Kansas State in the Sweet 16 last year. Oh, my B. My B. Okay, right. it stings. It stings really bad, Lucas. It stuck with me, too. <laughs> it hurts so good. Um, only Jody Meeks had come back. Right? Dude. Dude. That would have. Ch- that uh, that, that would have been an undefeated team. Yes. Could you imagine yeah. having Jody scoring with John's passing? Like. Yeah. Oh. oh. You don't beat that team. No, you don't beat that team, and you have you have Demarcus Cousins on the low block, like Patrick Patterson. Patrick um, Patterson scoring at a, at a ridiculous clip out of nowhere, like Josh Harrelson contributing occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, LSU, Michigan State, <laughs> Michael. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I, I think LSU might be the better team, but I think Michigan State's going to win the game. Hmm. I just think I think the Izzo factor is in fact huge. I I don't know. Like I, I understand what you both are saying, but Michigan State just they've not had luck in the tournament the past few years, and I feel like it's they're they're the Virginia the same thing. Like I just I have no trust with them. To but that's win. always but that's happened in the Elite Eight. That's been the Elite Eight that got bounced. You got to think about, it. and you got to think like Michigan State is, lost to Middle Tennessee State two years ago. Yeah, that's two years ago. This is 2019, <laughs> Lucas. I, but they they struggle uh, against matchups that they're not supposed to. I mean, they uh, barely were able to get by Bradley. Bradley was, you know, staying with them most of the game, and then y'all were right in your assumption that they finally came back at the end. Um, yeah, but because Tom is a screw, he'll he'll fight his players. He'll. he'll yeah. Why are we fighting players? Um, well, did you not watch him last no, round? No, I, I did. I did. I, I saw the whole thing because social media blew up about it, about how if that's appropriate and people are like, if I'm that player, I'm beating them up there and all kinds of stuff. Oh, that stuff happens. That stuff happens behind the scenes in every single basketball team. I do like LSU's us against the world mentality, though. Yeah, it is. It is cool. But I think from a from an experience and strategic perspective, it's. It's really hard to go against Michigan State here. I have LSU winning, so that means that I'm wrong. Um, so my, the net last one, and this one's going to be a very interesting one since Virginia Tech has beaten Duke um, this year. Uh, I, did they win one, lose one? I, I can't remember. But, um, Michael, let's start with you. Do you think Virginia Tech can do what UCF almost did? Man, I'm hoping. I'm praying. Um, I don't. Uh, I think if Duke's gonna lose before the Final Four, it has to be here. You don't think like a LSU or Michigan State could do it? No, I don't. I don't think either of those teams could. I think they're worst matchups for Duke. Mm. Um, it's it's hard, man. It's hard to see Duke like. And it's funny because it's the one thing that Kentucky, as a Kentucky fan, you worry about is it's those the way the freshmen are going to react as they get deeper in the tournament. And I think that's what's going to prevent Duke from – I think Duke is going to panic mm-hmm. in a game that's close to the end. I think it's going to cost them. Well, I thought that was going to be the UCF game. but Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, 
Yeah, you know what? I'm going on a limb. I'll go out with the Virginia Tech. Interesting. Uh, what about you, Brian? Buzz Williams is the Duke killer. I'm going with it. I'm going with the narrative. What? Having, having J-Rob back is a huge thing for Virginia Tech. I, I, I think they can do it. I want Virginia Tech to win so badly, but I just I feel like the the one game that it shoulda coulda woulda was the UCF, and I think now that this team is tested uh, in tournament time, I I think that now they're on the clear path to get all the way to the championship game um, against hopefully UK. Which that you know that's the last question that I want to pose to y'all. Now that we've seen these games happen, we've seen some of the Sweet 16, and obviously that'll all uh, be finished tomorrow. Um, with everything that's happened and shaken up, what are, are your predictions still strong? I mean, we all picked UK to win it. I don't know if that's just being homers or what, but do do you two still feel like that is the the likely choice to happen? Brian, start with you. No, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right, Michael, your turn. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say any more than that. As PJ gets healthier, the further we go in the tournament, the better I like our chances. And what if PJ just, they they end up saying no-go? Yeah, then we, we can win tomorrow, and we could maybe beat North Carolina or Auburn without him, but that would be it. Yeah, I don't. That's the one thing is if if PJ's out and this team gets demoralized by, by him, you know, either getting hurt again, God forbid, um, or or something something of that sort. If if that's the case, then I I don't see. I don't know. I if they have to play North Carolina, I don't see them winning that because I think it's it's it, the matchups gonna get they're gonna get dominated. I think. <laughs> Well, it's for certain going to be interesting going forward, and I cannot wait to see Oregon beat Virginia tonight and then UK win and hopefully everyone else that we hate lose tomorrow. So um, any last uh, – I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you guys. Is there anything sports that you want to throw in here before we conclude today's show? Michael, I'll defer to you. Oh, I'm good. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, in that case um, – I just want to say that um, I think that Urban Meyer. Oh my gosh! I knew you were going to do this. That's <laughs> uh, USC in 2021, and anybody who reports that after the fact needs to credit double technical. And if they don't, they'll be getting a cease and desist letter from me. Um, remember that this is also the podcast that broke the news that Vontez Perfect was uh, getting cut, uh, and also subsequently predicted the team that he was going to sign with. So if you report anything that we have talked about on this podcast uh, and don't credit us, I will, you'll, you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> Not my lawyers, from me. Because I can't afford a lawyer to pursue that. I'm, I'm just going to stop leaving the floor uh, open. I feel like threatening our listeners is the best way to end. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, definitely. That's how you end a podcast, right I'm not there. threatening our listeners. I'm threatening our competition. <laughs> okay, well. Competitive environment. Okay, cool. That this is a good way uh, thing to end. Before I'm though, a team I guy. yeah. Before I conclude everything though, uh, really quickly, just wanted to let all the listeners, uh, you know, uh, show them our appreciation. Uh, thank them for listening. We have eclipsed a hundred. Well, technically now we're at almost one hundred and ten thousand listens, and uh, this has been a full year. Like technically 
the middle of last week was a year um, so of full on advertising the show. So appreciate that for, you know, all those listens and um, please make sure to leave us reviews. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to anchor and you can donate to us monthly to help us do more bigger and better things. And we're going to continue to strive and grow and hopefully we'll get back on track. You know, fatherhood has definitely thrown uh, me and Brian through a loop and Michael is about to experience all that joy as well uh, in some time. So it'll it'll be interesting but we will find a way to ensure that you guys get your daily uh well not daily but your double dose every week of this show so i hope everyone has a fantastic friday thank you michael thank you brian for joining today's show and um we'll uh talk to you guys on monday peace out <laughs>